1: The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls, we answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, you name it, we'll tackle it here on the air. I'll do my best to find you an answer. If I don't have it, many times somebody else listening might. So if you've got a question, bring it to us. We'll see what we can do with it. We're going to get to those Calls and questions in just a couple minutes. A couple things I want to talk about first. One, um, looking at rates and lanes across the country, which have been very, very strong. Last year, I was talking about this last week. Last year was the best year that I have seen in 30 years in the industry as far as revenue to owner operators. Now it's a mixed bag. And the reason is there are good rates and lanes out there. There's no question. Better than I've seen in a very long time. On the other hand, there are a couple things that are holding a lot of people back. So what we tend to see in the industry right now is the same thing we're seeing in the economy. The top percentage of people just keep doing better and better. I have owner operators now breaking a dollar a mile net revenue. Net revenue. Now I had a caller yesterday who was on a mileage contract, which is pretty common. And his mileage contract didn't even pay a dollar a mile gross. Now it did if we threw in fuel surcharge, but not a whole lot more. It's a dollar twenty-three total. It's difficult in today's world to generate much profit when we only start with the $1.23. Now, if you're in that situation, two things become very critical. You've got to work extremely hard to control expenses because you can do that right now. In an instant, you can control your expenses. If you're driving along, listen to me. Slow down two miles an hour. You just added $2,000 to the bottom line. Slow down five miles an hour and stay there. You've just added $5,000 to the bottom line. If you're only grossing under $1.50, you've got to do that stuff to survive. Maintenance costs have gone up. Tires have gone up. Trucks have gone up. Everything across the board virtually has gone up. Fuel has gone down, but that's not necessarily a good thing. In fact, for many people, it's a bad thing. It lowers their profit depending on your fuel mileage. You're getting above six. Fuel goes down. Your profit goes down, which means your your expenses in in essence have gone up, not down. I know it's crazy, but that's the way it works. So if you're on one of those mileage contracts, you have got to really start focusing on expenses right now, then I would really encourage you. And I'm not the guy that tells people, you know, the grass is always greener. Go look for something better. Jump carriers. That's not me. I'm the opposite. I'm the guy that says, find a good carrier, build a relationship, stay there until you're ready and you've got a good plan to move on to something better. I think if you're in a mileage contract and you're happy, then stay there. If you're in a mileage contract and you're looking around saying, how are these people making all this money? They're making it because rates are much higher now it's nothing really to go out and get a buck seventy buck eighty a mile on van freight and two plus on almost every other freight right now so two things control expenses look at your business model see if there's something else you'd rather be doing that puts you in the path of those higher rates either getting a percentage or getting your own authority that's a big step but it's certainly a possibility and If we look at 2014, not only was it the best year for owner-operators I've seen, it was really a great year for independents. I I watch these surveys every single year and I've been doing it for decades. Plus, I have access to 30,000 owner-operator profit and loss statements. I review those all the time. Last year was a great year. This year is shaping up to be another great year. But there is something going on in rates right now that I do want to talk about. And that is the West Coast, the spot market freight on the West Coast is going it's already starting to take a hit. And I think it's going to get worse because of the port situation. The freight is barely moving through the ports and in some cases not moving at all. And I don't know when the end is coming. This could get worse. And if it does. It means there's not as much freight available. Rates are supply and demand. I know people think that brokers set rates and they don't. I know people think shippers set rates and they don't. That is so backwards. Trucking companies set rates. I know sometimes most people just don't believe that, but trucking companies set rates. Look at any business. It's the business that charges for something that sets the rates. You don't walk into McDonald's and say, I only want to pay 50 cents for a Big Mac today. McDonald's says, here's how much our Big Mac is, buy it or not. That's the way business works. It gets a little screwed up in the trucking because, in my opinion, the reason it's so screwed up is because we have so many small trucking companies who don't understand supply and demand and believe that shippers and brokers set the rates and then they just live with them. I think that's a mistake to believe that. So the West Coast is going to have an impact. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means stay away from the West Coast. Unless you've got good freight out there, if you've got contract freight, this really won't affect you at all. If you've got freight that isn't being affected by the ports, then great. But just know that these are the kind of things you should be paying attention to if you're in this business. Now, to go along with that, I don't have time on my show to really get in-depth into issues like rates and lanes in the spot market. Um, If something big is happening like it is on the West Coast, I'd like to bring it to your attention, but we've created some shows to help you get much deeper into these topics. Rates and lanes, authority, maintenance, health. Uh, we're doing individual shows on each of these topics so that we can dive deeper and help you more, help you understand these issues because they're important. I have tons of ideas for new shows. We're going to be releasing new shows as we go. It's all part of our podcast network. So haven't seen that yet. Or if you don't know exactly where to go to find all the shows, I'll tell you right now, it's real simple. Go to let's Right there on the homepage, you'll see the shows we have. Click on them. You can listen to them right online. If you have any kind of podcast app, you can search for them. And once you know the name, search for them, add them to your app. Then they'll be there waiting for you when you want to listen. And we do have some great shows on rates and lanes. Uh, Rico Muhammad does rates and lanes, and he gets really deep into spot market, different areas, different cities. You can ask him questions about how to find better rates, how to put together triangles, how to put together dumbbells, all kinds of strategies for increasing revenue. It's the other half of running a successful business. Decrease expenses, increase revenue. We focus a lot on decreasing expenses here, but we also know that revenue is important. Rico's doing an excellent job of that. Uh, Kenny Long will help you if you decide you want to get your own authority, and that's his show, Trucking with Authority. He'll answer all your questions, and, and he goes far beyond just getting the authority. He goes into all the issues of running with your own authority, insurance, and just so many more things. I think he's doing a special now about actually cross-border. If you're interested. You know, a lot of small carriers don't believe they could do that. But if you're interested in crossing borders, then Kenny's doing some stuff on that right now. Tonight uh, is Chad Boblet's show, which is Brokers and Beyond. And uh, it's at 4 o'clock Eastern Time. At, at the end of the show, I'll try to remember and I'll give you a phone number to check in on that one. Uh, but that is tonight and that is a great show. Chad brings brokers on the show to help you understand how all this works from their side of the table. Really good information. Um, Also, he's helped build a lot of good relationships between independents and brokers. And that's crucial. If you're going to be an independent, you, you kind of have two choices work with brokers and load boards. There's nothing wrong with that, but you should be developing relationships with brokers, not just randomly picking freight or go customer direct. We even cover some of that. So we've got the whole angle of running as an independent covered. Three different shows all geared towards independence. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about some of the other shows later, but you can go check it out for yourself at letstruck.com. I'm uh I'm going to get to a break and when we come back I'm going to get right to your phone call. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. Hey, you know, when I talk about the podcast and our recorded hours that we do here during the week, one of the ways that you can make sure you get notified of those is to be on our text message list. It's real simple. It's free. We don't charge you anything. Uh, As long as you have a text package, you won't get charged for that either also easy to remove yourself anytime you want and we don't spam you we don't share this list with anybody and we never will so all you have to do grab something to write with i'll tell you how to get on that list and while you're grabbing something to write with i'll tell you right now we have only been using it for the recorded hours but we're going to start extending it out and and letting you know when the podcasts are on the air as well so you can join those it's always fun to be a part of those live and then if you have a question you can ask it if you miss one, you can always go back. The, uh, the way to get on our text message list, real simple. Open up your text message program on your phone. The number you're going to send it to is what's called a short code. It's not a phone number. It's just 99,000. You would enter that code in just like you would a phone number, but it's just 99000. And you only have to put one word in the text. Don't put anything else. One word. Don't worry about caps. It's just listen. Text the word LISTEN to 99000, wait a couple minutes, you'll get a reply, and then you'll know you're on the list. Anytime you want to remove yourself, it's real simple. You just send another text back, and uh, you'll be off the list. You control it all, and you'll know when we're recording and when we're doing podcast shows as well. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's head off to Iowa. Dwayne, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, Kevin. Uh, You got an oil sample there I'd like for you to look at?
1: All right, let's take a look here. So we've got a series sixty here. Uh, what year is this?
3: Well, it's a Fitzgerald player <laughs>
1: kit. Okay, the so the engine is uh, probably D deck three, D deck four, uh, showing two hundred eighty nine thousand miles on the engine and about two hundred thousand miles on the. Oh no, about twenty thousand miles on the oil. Correct. Correct. Okay. This is a pretty normal sample anymore. And what I mean by that is even though the fuel dilution is being flagged at a level two, you're at 4.1. It has dropped viscosity a little bit, but you've got a really light oil in here. Oh, no, you don't. Is this a 1540?
4: No, it's a 540 Cam 2 synthetic.
1: Okay, that makes more sense. And that's why they flagged the the viscosity at a level two, because on the paperwork, it said it should be a 1540. If we were showing this as a 540, then your viscosity would be right about where we want it to be. Um, they flagged the 10 at a level that it's only a two. I have no idea why that would have gotten flagged that low, so we can ignore that. Um are you idling more than normal?
5: In the last month,
1: I have, yes. That, that is probably what's going on. Even in trucks that we're not seeing more idling, we're seeing, you know, three to four percentage points on fuel dilution. And we've been tracking trucks like that over a long period of time. And it doesn't seem to be getting any worse. And it doesn't seem to be causing any problems. So I'm almost thinking we're settling into kind of a new normal on their their testing and I'm not really worried about it anymore even when we start to believe that there truly is a little bit of fuel dilution I'm telling people to just watch it just and that's the beauty of oil samples is we can see everything that's going on if we were if we were to start to see you know where metals climbing up we might address it but I'm a little afraid to do to address fuel dilution these days, because it just seems like we go in and start screwing around with injectors and we end up with a worse problem uh, until we can identify where we can get really good injectors and, and good people installing them. I would rather live with a little bit of fuel dilution and just watch the oil and make sure it's not hurting anything. And, and yours is not hurting anything.
2: Okay. So the 10 is nothing to be concerned about either.
1: it's so low. I mean, two parts per million and, and it didn't even go up. Here's the thing. Why didn't they flag it last time? I'm wondering why they didn't flag it last time. It was two then. And you actually had less miles on the oil. So two is, is really nothing. Okay. Right. So I think you are in good shape. I would just keep doing what you're doing. I would leave this oil in there. I would not change it. No reason to. This oil is in great condition, and the engine is performing well. Um, No question about that. So just keep doing what you're doing. Let's head off this time to Louisiana. James, welcome to the program.
4: How are you doing today?
6: Doing good. What can I help you with?
1: I've got
7: two questions for you. Um, <clears throat> one is, you talked about GPS's uh, latter part of the year, and you said after the first year, you were going to maybe make some recommendations. And I'm at that point of wanting to upgrade. I'm I'm a uh, hotshot expediter. I run a uh, two-ton Dodge 5500. And uh, I just want to upgrade from a basic GPS to a little bit more detailed unit. Uh, I was just wondering, did you ever come to any conclusion with that?
1: We did, and, and we must have missed our big announcement, so I'll talk about it again, and I'd like to, because I'm very excited about this. You know, we've had a long history with the GPS thing, going back to 08, back and forth, you know, fighting with Rand McNally because I love their software. I just hated their hardware. And last year, uh, Rand McNally came back to us for the second or third time and said, look, we get it. You know you don't like the hardware. You want to talk about a project that they were starting. And we actually partnered with them. I just wasn't allowed to talk about it all this time. That's why I had to be so cryptic. But we released this a couple weeks ago. And what Rand McNally did was they took the software that I loved, scrapped all of their hardware, and built a brand-new GPS on an Android tablet. So now we've got this beautiful tablet with amazing screen the resolution is so sharp and bright that was another thing i could never see their screen it was so bad the sunlight this one is super bright more dim at night got tons of controls the sound is excellent lots of screen real estate and our partnership in this is our fuel mileage tracking program is now built right into their dps so right on the home screen can log into your fuel gate account if you don't have one you can that one up free and you can track your fuel mileage right on your GPS unit you'll see it on your phone if you have an app you can still see it online you can go there it all stays safe so that that's it's called the tnd tablet from rand mcnally the other beauty of this is because it's a tablet you can load any app you want from the google play store so i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i have audible on there so i can listen to my ebooks i've got pandora on there so i can listen to music i can track my fuel mileage i can send emails i can do not, not when you're driving you got to throw that out there Just because it's there we don't want to be doing that stuff while you're driving but it's all there and it's all in one place so i literally have mine or i'm getting ready to tie mine in the audio system in the truck that's going to become like the command center. Oh, it's also got a uh, built-in webcam, our dash cam. So, you know, if you want to record forward while you're driving, that's all available. It'll run in the background. GPS runs in the background. You can still listen to your audio books. Uh, I am over the top excited about this one. We we love the unit, and uh, we're glad to be a part of it. Is that a seven-inch screen with this one? Uh, boy! you know, I look at so many screens every day. I get confused about the size I don't know. I don't want to say a standard Android tablet, but, but a pretty standard tablet size. I mean, it's pretty big. I'd have to go look to see what the exact size is. It
7: probably probably is a seven inch screen. Did you? I may have missed it a while ago. What model did you say this was? This Rand McNally?
1: They are calling it their TND tablet.
7: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for that information. My next question is, um, like I told you before, I'm a hotshot expediter, and the loads are anywhere from 200 pounds up to about 15, you know, 16,000 pounds at Due point. I have a Dodge uh, 5500. I'm about 13,000 miles from a half a million miles on it. And um, I have a question about a truck that I want to buy from a buddy of mine. He bought this truck brand new. It's a 2000 model Freightliner FL70. He bought the truck from the people that built the expediter trucks for FedEx. Okay. And I want to take the box. It's got a 22-foot box on it with a sleeper. I want to take the box off and can, and make this truck a single-axle tractor. Um, I have a little bit of information on it at this point, but basically what I'm wanting to know from you is if I'm moving in the right direction, it, it's got a Cat 3126 motor in it with a six-speed Allison automatic transmission. I don't know any gear ratios or nothing, but I'm looking to upgrade the axles on my trailer, uh, go to uh, hydraulic, you know, over disc brakes, and also increase the axle weight. And uh, with this tractor, I'm, I would like to get into the twenty to 25,000-pound range of hauling freight. Is buying this truck, would I be moving in the uh, right direction with this truck?
1: Okay, let me get to a break and I'll come back and we will talk about that because there's a lot of issues here. We'll get to them all. Stick around. We'll be right back. Kevin Robbin. All right, real quick, before we go into this next segment, I want to give you a heads up. Um, Today is a very unusual day. We have lots and lots of callers and no questions. I don't have enough questions to get through the uh, first hour here. So uh, this is your chance. If you've ever wanted to get on, if you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all you want to talk about, uh, press one on your phone now. I promise we'll get to you uh and it doesn't look like we're going to be doing a second well starting to get some calls now it's looking a little better but there's still plenty of room let's go ahead and get started <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. If you need any help from us at all, whether it's on fuel gauges, profit gauges, anything in our store our accounting, our new tax service, I don't want to spend too much time talking about those things right now, but just to let you know, our tribe care is always available to help you out. Give them a call. It's 855-800-FUEL, 855-800-3835. We're there to answer questions and help you out. I'm going to get back to some phone calls. I'm going to go back to Louisiana. James, you still there? I am. Okay. First question I have, and, and the reason I ask this is, those trucks usually hold a premium. How much does he want for this thing?
7: Uh, I'm getting it for $12,000.
1: Okay. That's a great price. I That's just what I wanted to make sure. Sometimes those class seven trucks, really hold a premium because there, there's just not a lot of them around. Many times I can usually find a Class 8 cheaper, but this is a good price. How many miles, are it's
7: on it? a 90, it's, a, um, it's, it's got 99,000 miles on it. He, he bought it brand new, and he's the only person that ever drove it. He sold his business, and um, he, he's got the truck parked at his house.
1: Now, do you mean 99,000 original miles on the whole truck?
7: Yes. You need it's to been hang stuck up in his driveway. This is the kicker with it. It's been he parked the truck in two thousand and five and all he was doing was just out there cranking it. He wasn't driving it, but he's run the batteries down and now he hadn't cranked it in about a year. So I'm asking about the just sitting there, you know, for yeah. what, fourteen uh what, for ten years.
1: Yeah, and we can talk about that. I don't see that as a big deal these days. You know, it used to be a bigger deal. Over the years, though, the materials we use in trucks has improved. I I bought a 99 Volvo that um, had 700,000 miles put on it in the first four years. It was a team truck, four or five years or so. And then in the next 10 years, only had 40,000 miles put on it. And I bought it and and I've had it for, you know, well over a year now coming up on. I've had it well over a year and none of those problems showed up. You know, the things that we think are going to happen from it sitting. And even for me, it sits for months out here for me because I, I'm getting ready to go back out on the road now. But I'm out there you know, starts right up because I have the engine start module on it and I'm inspecting everything and it still looks great. So I don't see that sitting as being a big issue. There are some things we could go through, but um, this is a steal, an absolute steal. At at $12,000, you can't beat this deal. This is a good truck for what you're doing. I think you are absolutely moving in the right direction. I think overall, you're going to find your cost of operation could go down and your revenue could go up because you'll be opening yourself up for more freight. So, I think it's a great move.
7: Well, I was gonna, I'm gonna send a uh, wrecker to go over and pick the truck up, bring it back to my shop. We're gonna drop the fuel tanks and, and have them batted and cleaned up, replace all the fuel lines, drop all the fluids, new hoses, belts. And what I'm actually gonna do is, is uh, I'm gonna insure the truck and register it as a farm truck for my farm. And I'm just going to drive it for about six, eight months, just locally a hundred miles here and there, just to kind of get the truck acclimated back to
6: running again in case there is any issues with it.
1: Yeah. And and that's always a good idea. In fact, I'm doing the exact same thing this weekend. Mine's been sitting my, my truck and trailer and you know, the RV's got some pretty complicated systems in it, satellites and uh, solar and all kinds of stuff. So before I take off on the road in a week or two, I'm taking it out this weekend, running a couple hundred miles, park it in an RV park, make sure everything works. So I I think that's a great idea. Um,
7: What about the boat? I know there's some throwaway motors in those tight trucks. I don't know which one it is. I haven't gotten the serial number off of it, but I know it's a Caterpillar 3126, and I'm assuming it's going to be the better motor since it's in the FL70 series.
1: Yeah, and and even if it wasn't, I mean the, the ninety nine thousand miles, this thing barely broke in. So you know, no matter what's in it, you're going to have a lot of life left out of it. I, I'm not wild about the Allison automatic, and, and the reason being is they're not very fuel efficient. They are a that is a true automatic transmission. That's not what we talk about in over the road trucks. People say automatic, but that's that's incorrect. We have automated manual transmissions in class eight trucks. Very seldom do you ever see an Allison. But an Allison is is like you have in a car. That that is a true automatic transmission. And they're just not very efficient. They have a most of them have a really, really deep overdrive. Like we talk about, you know, 0.85, 0.73. I think one of the Allison's goes all the way down to 0.61 you end up losing almost 20% efficiency at that point. So, but you know what? Hey, this is such a good buy that I wouldn't let that deter me. Just, just know that that will affect some fuel economy. Uh, but there's still a lot you could do to this truck. Get really good fuel economy out of it.
4: Okay. Well, that answers
7: that question. I just mainly wanted to make sure that I was, uh, I was really, really looking hard, and you know these new uh the new two ton Ford Chevrolet poddges, you know a, a brand new one just the basic truck is uh sixty five thousand dollars and I just can't see spending that kind of money. I can buy this truck for twelve, probably put another ten in it and for twenty five thirty thousand dollars, I'll have twice the truck at what I got now.
1: And you're, and I believe that if you were to truly track all of your costs, you can run this truck less expensively than you can run one of those new ones. And they're more comfortable. I, there's so many advantages. So it, I've often said if I were in the hotshot market, I would either run a class seven or possibly a very small class eight. I think it's a great idea.
7: Well, I did look at, I was considering a class eight until I found, I've been on him for two or three years and I finally called him back and I said, look, I've got to buy a truck. If you, don't, if you don't want to sell it, I'm not going to bother you no more. I said, but if you want to sell it, let's make a deal because I need to do something. And he finally said, man, uh, I, I've been holding on to it, but it's just obvious that I, I'm not going to do nothing with it. So we br- we made the deal, and, uh, you know, I offered him 10, and he counter offered it 12 because he had talked to someone, and they said if it was in the Texas market already over there that it would easily go for $15,000.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if there were places in the country you could get twenty out of this thing. Really, uh, with I I think people are overlooking how low the mileage is on this thing, and that's a big deal. So, congratulations! I think it's a great find. Let's go to Arkansas, Bob. Welcome to the program.
3: Hi, how you doing?
1: Good. What can I help you with?
3: Good. Um, I've got I've got a 2011 Volvo with the ISX in it and i'm running the 13 speed, speedy i'm doing what i can i just got this truck and it, it had low to mid fives for fuel economy right. shut right. that off and um i got a new uh, charge air cooler that brought it up into the sixes uh, my question for you is how can i find out my rear end gear ratio without opening it up um it's got Roughly five hundred, almost five hundred thousand miles on it, so I really don't want to just go by what the VIN numbers uh, might say it's got. You know, because it could, with that amount of miles, it could have been changed out at some point. Um, because I'm trying right. to, I run this around sixty nine seventy all the time, and um, that puts me at about fourteen hundred fifty RPMs, and that's a bit much, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, uh, did you tell me what engine was in this?
3: The ISX.
1: Got an uh, uh,
3: 400. Yeah, 400 turned up to 450. What year? 2011.
1: Eleven. All right. And what tire size? Uh,
3: 22 fives.
1: Low pro or standard?
3: Uh, standard.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, so let's run some quick calculations here. And I'm pretty be sure in- they're
3: standard. I have the tire type like, here. I don't know if that'll
1: well, oh, here's, here's how
3: how,
1: yeah, here's how you can tell. If, if it says 11R 22.5, that's a standard. If it says anything else like 275, 285, 295, 70, those are all low pro sizes. So there's a lot of different low pro sizes, but we refer to them all as low profile. Anything with 11R is a All right. So I'm going to go with a standard for right now until you might be able to tell me any different. Um, And we're going to calculate this. And then we could still run the VIN number and just verify. You said it was a 13-speed, correct? Yes. And at 70 miles an hour, you said that you are at about 1450. So it looks like... um, looks like we've probably got 342s. I, I'm kind of stuck right between 342s and 355s when I calculate it. So it's one of the two. Without knowing that tire size for sure, I'm probably going to guess 342 right now. Let me get to a break, and I'll come back in just a minute. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothford. Check out the website. It's com. We'll be right back. All right. A quick heads up. We're heading into segment four, which means at the end, I'll say I'm done. I'm out of here, but don't go away because we're going to come back and record. And right now we're doing pretty good on questions. I'll let you know. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. So I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to Arkansas. Bob, you still with me? Yes. All right. So that gets us pretty close. Uh, In order to get closer, I would actually have to go in and start tweaking the real tire size, but it's going to be one of those two. Um, If you were to check the VIN number, You'll, you'll come up with one of those two, and whatever the VIN number says, it's going to be right, because I can't imagine anybody ever switched from 355s to three forty two. So it's going to be one of those two. Um, right. these, these aren't bad gears. Uh, if we've got a 13-speed, I, I prefer the 355s. We could make either one of them work. If you're looking for fuel economy, which I'm assume, assuming that's what you're trying to do, right? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Okay. Is somebody paying you an unusually high rate to run seventy miles an hour?
3: Uh, Kinda. I mean, most of our freight is around two dollars and fifty cents, and I get uh, eighty-six percent of that. And it's usually the length is about seven hundred miles, and it's got to get there. So it's. It's. I mean, if I can run slower, I do. But a lot of times, it's hurry up and get there freight. So.
1: That's why I'm
3: running
1: at the speed. And I'm not saying there aren't exceptions. I've found that just about all the freight on the market, with a few exceptions, can be done at 60 miles an hour. It's a matter of managing time. And the reason I say that, the difference is huge. Between 70 and 60, we're talking $10,000 a year. We're talking a full mile per gallon. And you don't have to spend a penny to get that. Honestly, I can go out in the market and and even with all the upgrades we talk about, in in order to gain a full mile per gallon, I've got to spend six to $10,000 worth of upgrades before I get to a mile per gallon most of the time. Yet I could do it by just slowing down 10 miles an hour and managing my time better. So just something to keep in mind. One of the ways I'd love to do this Is any time you were going to set your cruise at 70, set it at 69. There's no way you're going to miss your schedule because you set the cruise at 69 instead. And you just gained a tenth of a mile per gallon. Might not seem like a lot, but do that for two or three weeks. Then instead of setting your cruise at 69, set it at 68. Guess what? You're going to make it. Promise. And you'll pick up another 10th of a mile per gallon. And what if it takes you six months to get down to the place where you're at 60, you're comfortable and you're on schedule and you're putting $10,000 a year back in your pocket. That's the way to do this. Let's go to Tennessee. Clint, welcome to the program.
8: Hey, Kevin, I love your show and I wish they would give you a little more time on the radio.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. What can I help you with today? (laughs)
8: Um, I just filed my LLC, and I did it through LegalZoom, and apparently they have a partnership with Dun at Bradstreet Credibility, so I got a phone call from them today. I wanted to see if you knew anything about them, because there's a lot of negative information on the internet about them.
1: Yeah, they, they were just calling you to help you and your business out, right? Absolutely, that's what he told me. <laughs> I know. I'm sure he did. Here's the thing. It's not that Dun & Bradstreet is a bad company. Not at all. In fact, they in, in big corporate world, they actually have a pretty darn good reputation and they serve a purpose. But in small business, they serve no purpose other than to separate you from your money. They want to sell you a service that seems legitimate and it is, You just don't need it. It's not going to do you a bit of good. And for the people who are listening that don't know, Dun & Bradstreet is basically the credit reporting for businesses. Like our personal credit, we have TransUnion and Experian and uh, uh, the other one, I just drew a total blank, Equifax, are are the three big ones in personal finance. And we get rated by those three, even if we do nothing. I mean, you just get rated because you've borrowed money or whatever. That's how that one works. Dun & Bradstreet is a little different. You've actually got to pay them to rate your company for creditworthiness. Here's the reason why you don't need that service. Nobody on the planet is going to lend your business money unless you sign for it personally and that they don't care about your business credit, and they don't care about Dun & Bradstreet because they're not looking at the business. They're only looking at your personal credit. It's going to be that way until you get up into the multi-million dollar level. Um, I'm running a company with several million dollars in sales, and there is no way I would pay Dun & Bradstreet to rate my company. For one, we don't borrow money. We never have, but even if I did, I'd still be signing for it personally. Nobody's going to give my company credit. Does that make okay. sense?
5: Yeah. Yeah, I, t- I
8: told him uh, when he called me, I told him I wanted a little more time to do some research because I know that I heard you say before that there is real no, no real benefit or anything for the business credit.
1: Yeah, you can't get it. And here's why. I mean, let's say you're the one with the money and businesses are coming to you and you want to borrow it. Would you lend money to a corporation that could literally disappear tomorrow and nobody else is on the hook? Absolutely not. How easy would it be for anybody to shut down a corporation, borrow a bunch of money, shut down the corporation. The corporation was responsible, but it doesn't even exist anymore, files bankruptcy, and you go on your merry way. That's what could happen. That's why small businesses that could disappear easily nobody's going to give them any money. They're going to hold the owners personally liable. You, you can get a, a, a loan in the business name, but you are still going to sign for it personally. So having the rating for a small business is just worthless.
8: Okay. And on a side note, I probably should have asked before I did it, but do you have any opinions on LegalZoom as far as filing the LLC?
1: Uh, yeah, and I've done it. Um, I, th- there's, there's a little bit of risk that we miss something that might come back later. But honestly, I've been around small businesses my whole life, and I can't think of a single case uh, where it really became a big deal. Normally, what happens is a lot of people do it this way. It gets you through the basics. And then if the company starts to grow at some point, you're gonna, you know, start working with an accountant and an attorney, and they'll go fix everything anyway. So, yeah, I've done it this way many times. I don't think it's any big deal.
8: All right, that's all I have for you today. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. The exception to that is if we've got things that make it more complicated, multiple partners, or or other issues like that. I would prefer to sit down and pay an attorney, but Many times if we're starting on a shoestring. Go ahead and do it. Let's uh, let's go to Scott. It's your turn. Welcome to the program.
4: Yeah, Kevin. Seems like lately my business is turning into a hot shot company. We're getting uh, doing more LTLs and partials lately, I actually trying to get better at it. <clears throat> but I uh, wanted to ask you is we're still playing with the idea down the line of taking an axle off this thing. Would, do you think Landstar would still lease this sign with a four-axle four setup, or do you think is they're going
1: to be out of Is your trailer what? a spread? Yes. Uh, you know, I would certainly go talk to Landstar before I did it, but you're heading towards what I think could be a great idea. I just haven't had time to experiment with it enough yet, but I've done a lot of research. I've done a lot of thought. Um, I think that there is a market out there for a four axle with a spread. We can cut cost way down. There are a lot of advantages and there is a lot of money in lighter freight and there's a ton of money in partial. So you uttered the magic sentence in there and I want you to go back to it. You said, I probably should get better at it. You need to change that sentence and say, I absolutely need to get better at it. I know people who are really good at partials, and they are killing it in today's world. I mean, a buck a mile plus in profit it does take time to get better, and, and it, it's more management time. It's um, obviously more loading and unloading and looking for stops and things like that. But if you get good at it, it, it pays extremely well. And I I think if I were to go back out on the road, I would do exactly that. I would build a four axle with a spread. I I would build it so that I could get as much payload as I needed. Um, But I wouldn't be out looking for the heavy stuff. I'd be looking for the partials and the LTL. And I I think you could make a killing doing that. Now,
4: the other thing that we're running into is that uh, a lot of these people say, well, they want to ship something and pay an LTL rate. But then they turn around, like one did to me this morning, well, we'll pay you $900 and 500 miles with, you know, 2,000 pounds. Would have been a would have been a good add-on to everything else. But I told them, I says, number one, the other stuff isn't going to go for another day. <laughs> well, no, it's got to be picked up today and delivered tomorrow. They want
1: Yeah, well... That's the part you have to get good at managing, and you have to build relationships so you're not fighting with these people all the time. There's no question, Scott, it's much more difficult. That's why it pays so well. That's why I said you absolutely have to get better at it. But I think it is a great market to be in, no question. Thanks for joining me. I'm all out of time. I've got to get out of here. I'll see you back here next time. Be safe, be profitable do the hard work, and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rothberg. All right, here we go. We're going to start a second hour.
6: Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking
9: industry.
1: This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. If you've got questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started in the business, getting started as an owner operator, getting your own authority, you name it, you're in the right place because that's what we do. We take your calls, we answer your questions about all of those things and so much more. We're going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. A couple things I want to talk to you about, and then we'll find out what it is you want to talk about. The... Uh, the other day I, I had a question about health insurance and self employed health insurance specifically, and I've talked about this in the past, and I've even complained many times that when we're self employed, we have to go pay for our own health insurance, and now it's actually a requirement to live in this country i don't get me started on that, so now we have to have it before it was a good idea now we have to have it, and what upset me was we're in business. The government says we have to have health insurance, and yet they wouldn't let us take it as a business deduction. They would let us take it as a personal deduction. Now, our tax system is complicated, but what that means is if we can take something as a business deduction, we get to save 15.65% right off the top in what's called self-employment tax, which is your Social Security and Medicare. And because you're self-employed, you have to pay both halves. That's why it's 15.65%. Then it also saves us on our income tax at whatever marginal rate we have happen to be at, 10%, 15%, 20%, wherever we are. So there's a big savings there. If we can only deduct it as a personal expense, we only save the income tax. We don't save anything on the self-employment tax, the Social Security and the Medicare. And I've, I've complained about that for years. Well, the, the beauty of our new business model, which means we, we partner with other companies that are very, very good at what they do. I ran an accounting company for 15 years, but I've been out of it since 2007. And when we looked at offering the service again, I thought, why reinvent the wheel? Let's go partner with a good firm. We'll do the trucking side, make sure that's all done right. We'll let them handle the tech side. And it's already paying off because they've got a great strategy for this. And it's fairly simple. Now, you have to be married to make this work. Um, Don't run out and get married to make this work. I don't think that's a good idea. But if you're married, if you are an owner operator, And it doesn't matter what your business model is. You could be a lease operator. You could be leased to a carrier. You could have your own authority. All we do is hire the spouse as an employee. And it doesn't matter which way it works. The wife could own the business and hire the husband. The husband could own the business and hire the wife. But we hire one of the two as an employee of the business and we provide them with a full family policy for health insurance, and now it is fully deductible to the business. We can combine this with health savings accounts and make tax-free contributions and all kinds of strategies beyond that. But uh, this is a big one, especially now with most people seeing their health insurance premiums rise. Mine went up dramatically because of Uh, Obamacare, whatever you choose to call it. So this is a great way to get some of that money back. And very, very few accountants that I've interviewed ever mentioned this or seem to know anything about it. So I'm glad we partnered with a great tax service. If you're interested in our tax service, by the way, uh, you can give us a call. We'll tell you all about it. The number to call is 855-800-FUEL. Or you can go right to our website, which is letstruck.com. Uh, let's see. While you're there, also check out all of our new podcast, which is the Audio Road Network. You'll see it right there on the homepage. You can go listen to all the old shows. Uh, subscribe to the new shows so that they just show up in your podcast app when you want them. And also, check out the store. We, we are constantly expanding the store. And... You know, it used to be, I'm always out looking for new products, new services, new things to help people. And it used to be a long process where we would really work with the company, bring them on as a full partner. Um, Some products just don't work well like that. So when I find some interesting products now, we're just going to put them in our store. It's a a quick, easy way for us to bring them to you and share with you what we're finding and, and learning. So Uh, Check back to the store often. We will be updating that uh, on a pretty regular basis. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's head off to uh, Oregon to get started. Ken, welcome to the program. Hi,
9: Kevin. Um, I love all the shows, the podcasts, and and those kinds of things. I've got a question for you. Um, If you've got my uh, business report in front of you, profit gauges,
1: okay i do i'm a least
9: okay and um well do you want to ask any questions or can i start i'll make it as quick as possible but
1: yeah give me your story while i'm kind of scrolling through the numbers here and i'll try to multitask
9: okay i'm a leased owner operator i have my own tractor trailer uh do open equipment um I love the carrier I'm leased to the people and everybody I deal with. I've never had more straight up bunch of people. It's just a business model. I'm not too crazy about. And I'm thinking about moving forward, getting my own authority. Uh, Currently um, I'm, I have to give them about 25% of the line haul revenue. And, uh, but Doing that, I mean, I'm damned to do all the work. I load all, I have my own load boards I load off of, and I mean, yeah. right now I'm I'm doing like 60% broker freight because uh, I'm competing against 100, over 100 lease purchase trucks, and that's primarily where the agents and uh, the home office kind of focus their attention, and I really right. don't have any skin in the game. I'm kind of almost a bottom feeder.
1: Well, let me let me give you the good news. Uh, the okay. good news is you came to me with two things that really make this easy for me to do. One, all of your numbers are here in profit gauges, and they look amazing. You're doing a great job of the data entry, so I can see everything I need to see, which is huge. Uh, second, the company that you're leased to, I'm very familiar with, and I couldn't have described it any better. I think they have a great really? environment. Uh, Yeah, love. And I go way back with people at this company. I don't know anybody at the company personally. I've known lots of owner operators there over the years and I've heard the same things. Um, Great environment. They're happy there. But a lot of people get to the point where you're getting to. Look, I'm doing all the work. I'm finding my own freight and they're still taking 25 percent under a model like they run, if they were to cut this to 15% for guys like you, I think they would keep a lot more people. Uh, I, I just don't think they're providing you enough that, that it's worth paying them 25%. So it, it's always a tough decision to move away from a company you're happy with, but you're looking at it the right way. You're looking at it as a business decision. You're saying, wait a minute, I'm doing all the work and and why do I have to pay them for this? And then I have to fight against these other trucks. And those guys aren't doing the work. I can tell you that the lease purchase guys don't know their numbers, which means they're usually willing to run for less because they don't get it. Uh, and, And that's tough to fight against. So the fact that you're doing such a great job on your numbers, you already know how to work load boards and those kind of things. I think this is kind of a no-brainer. I, I think the within the first six months of you stepping out and doing this on your own, um, your gross revenue is okay, dollar uh, fifty-five. But honestly, that's probably let me do some quick number. That that's probably twenty percent less than what it should be for the freight you're moving. And that's the money you're giving to them. You know, you're, you're going to have to incur some new expenses when you step out. Insurance, some compliance stuff, fuel tax, those kind of things. That'll eat up that other 5%. But by the time you are all said and done, you're only keeping $0.34 cents a mile. You're working too hard for that and you're putting out too much risk. I would predict that within the first six months, that $0.34 cents a mile is going to double, believe it or not.
9: Okay, great, Uh, because the agents are just getting me brokered freight also. That's all I'm doing, and uh, the only other thing I can say is I'm going to pursue that is I I can kind of see the battle you fight against these lease-purchase guys. When they come up and ask me, and I'm not even in it, I don't know anything about it, but, I mean, they're not even on the – it's like trying to be a surgeon without going to school. Oh, I agree. They're they're way behind the curve.
1: They might as well be driving 75 miles an hour in heavy fog. Um, You know, we don't know if you start doing that. We don't know what's going to happen next, but it's going to be ugly. And that's what happens. These guys go out of business. Uh, They just throw somebody else in the truck and the cycle continues. And, And that's tough to fight against. You've got a lot going for you. You will succeed at this and it's a great time to go do it. I'm not saying jump. I'm saying get prepared. Do all the right stuff like you're doing. But I think this is a a plan that you need to work on. Stick around. We'll be right back. Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. We're going to head right back to the phone calls. Before we do that, though, let me uh, give you a quick heads up. We are uh, growing our text message system again. We, We did this a while back and then we backed off for a while and We've got some things in place. The new podcasts are going great. Our network is up and running, and we want to make sure you know when we're recording and when podcast shows are on. And the best way for us to do that is just to send you a quick test text message right on your phone. Message pops up half hour to 15 minutes before the show. The phone number is right there. You just click on it and it takes you right in, and you can start listening. It's also very easy to join the list and very easy to unjoin if you decide that you're getting too many texts, but we won't spam you. We don't share this list with anybody ever. We never will. We only use it to let you know about shows and recordings. So grab something to write with. It's really simple to get on this list. All you do is text the word listen. That's it. Just one word. Listen. Don't worry about caps or anything. Text the word listen to what's called a short code, It's just like sending it to a phone number. But you just send it to nine nine zero 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 ninety nine thousand. Send it to ninety nine thousand. The word is listen. Don't put anything else in the text. Wait a couple minutes. You'll get a confirmation back and you'll know you're on the list. Let's get to the phones. Let's go to California. Justin, welcome to the program.
0: Hi, Kevin. How are you doing this morning?
1: Good. What can I help you with? I just
0: took uh, I just wanted to get your opinion. Uh, a friend of mine came to me the other day. Uh, he just bought a new truck because he runs in California, and he's got a ninety five, uh, yeah, ninety five classic Freightliner. Good motor, good transmission. You know, everything's good on it, and it was running. But the state, you know, kicked him out or kicked it out. They put it on limited mileage, and he was asking me what I thought he should do with it. Should he keep it to? Uh, use as a backup in case this new truck has problems or should he just try and sell it out of state? And I, I told him that I thought he should get rid of it rather than just letting it sit. But I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on what he should do with it.
1: In case his new truck has problems.
0: Well, he's a little leery because it's a 2012 Pete with all, with everything.
1: Oh, I I know. I'm kind of laughing because if we look at the odds, the odds are his new truck will have problems. Not all yeah. of them do; most of them do. Uh, so, let me give you some uh, a crazy thought about what I would do if I were him. And this okay. is going to sound bizarre, and I don't even know if it would work in his operation. But I, I would seriously consider this, depending. And and again, I love to do things by the numbers. If I were running his old truck, I would know all of my numbers. I would know my fuel cost, my maintenance cost, my overall cost to operate that truck. Once I got the new one, I would calculate the same thing. There's a good chance. I I could promise you that I could run his older truck way cheaper than I could run the newer truck. Whether he's doing that or not, I have no idea. But that's how I would approach this. And then the crazy thing that I would do. I would, depending on the operation and, and where you come in and out of California and that kind of thing, I would find a place to park the new truck. And any time I was out of California, I'd be in the old truck. And the only time I would use the new one, as crazy as it sounds, is when I had to go into the state. He's got them both. It's not going to cost him much.
0: Right. And, and it, well, he runs mostly in California Is the pro, is the problem that he's having. <clears throat>
1: Well, that's what I say about his operation. Well, then I would just get rid of it. Um, I, I don't see any point in keeping it. Uh, it's not hard to get rid of. The the classic doesn't help a lot, but there's a huge demand for pre-emission trucks, pre-emission engines. So I, I don't see a problem getting rid of it. And if he runs primarily in California, I don't know why you would hold on to this.
0: Right. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. but I just wanted to see if maybe you had a different thought about it, which... The thought you had actually is a pretty good one, uh, so that you know I might I might pitch that at him just in case he does start running out. But yeah. I had one more one more quick thing though. Uh, when you were talking about the health insurance stuff, uh, putting a, your my wife on as an employee does do I incur uh, workers comp issues with having her as an employee?
1: Yeah, and those are the things we have to look at. You do incur, now, depending on your state, and and I don't know all the states. There are a couple states I know rules on, Ohio, Florida, a couple others. But there are some states where we can waive the um, workers' comp and replace it with something like work accident, which is extremely inexpensive when you compare it to workers' comp. So this might not work for everybody, but it would be one of those things that we look at, figure out what it's going to cost us to have an employee, see if there are any ways around some of the issues, and then look at the numbers. Does it make sense? Are we, you know, I I know people who are currently paying $10,000 a year for health insurance. So to get that tax deduction on the business side can be a pretty big advantage sometimes. But like everything else, it comes down to the numbers. I, I was just happy that we found a potential strategy that could work for a lot of people. It might not work for everybody.
0: Right. Well, California workers' comp is uh, astronomical. And well, uh, what,
1: I'm tr- what you want to look ahead. for, any exceptions. Uh, Florida, for example, says if you have three employees or less, you can waive workers' comp. It doesn't mean that you're not responsible for them. You're just not required to carry workers' comp. You can put other things in place like work accident.
0: Okay. I will check on that then because I'm going to transfer the, we're putting the company into her name and then we were, I'm going to right now I'm going to go on as a 1099 driver uh, for a tax, back tax issue that I have.
1: So got it. And, and then, you know, the other possibility in some States is that, Many states allow owners of the business to waive workers' comp. So that may be a possibility as well. So that's what we have to go out and look for in each state. What are the exceptions that we can use uh, to get around the workers' comp? Now, we are going to pay Social Security. We're going to pay Medicare, but we pay that anyway. So that's not a big deal. We just pay it a different way. We call it self-employment tax. Let's, uh, let's get back to some phone calls. We're going to head off to uh, California. Don, welcome to the program. Hey,
2: Kevin. How you doing?
1: Good. What can I help you with?
2: Well, uh, me and uh, our good friend Murphy's Law had some fun with this truck when I bought it. And I wound up having to drop a new engine into it. And I got the first oil sample back and wanted to go over it with you.
1: Let, let let's talk about the the other part first. Uh when you say <laughs> a new what year?
2: Twenty ten.
1: Twenty ten. Now did you buy it new? No.
2: I bought okay. it used. Uh bought it used, went through everything. I purchased your program, went through it over the last two years. We've talked a few times and uh you know, banked away a whole bunch of money and uh went through the all the proper processes to check out the engine and uh nobody of course was able to see that the uh oil pump was cracked and it let loose and destroyed the block and the uh, crank
1: wow okay so all right so so i
2: had i had to drop thirty one thousand into a new motor (laughs) eight weeks after buying the truck
1: Oh boy, that is a tough way to get started, no question. Um, so now we've got a new engine. Tell me about the engine. Where did it come from, and and what is it?
2: It's a oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're talking about a uh, 2010 Freightliner DD15. Uh, it's a long block replacement from Freightliner. Okay,
1: all right. And we've got our first oil sample. How many miles on the engine, and how many miles on the oil?
2: Well, it would be the same, about 12,000.
1: Okay. Uh, Just to let everybody else know, we really started highly recommending doing the first oil drop at about five. We find that most of the garbage ends up in the engine in that first 5,000. Once we get it out of there, we can switch to synthetic and go to extended drains. But 12 isn't going to hurt anything either. Do you have the oil sample in front of you?
2: Uh, No, my phone won't pull it up for some stupid reason, but I did look at it. So I'm kind of familiar with what it looks like.
1: Okay. Because I, for some reason, I'm not seeing it right now. And let me see. No, I still don't have it. So uh, while I'm waiting on it, why don't you tell me, and I may not be able to get it. I guess we're running into some issues over at Polaris right now, pulling them up online. Um, no tell problem. me what you remember about it.
2: Uh, well, uh, it, it had a, a, a zero on fuel dilution.
1: Do you remember had, up at uh, the very top where it's a zero through four? Do you remember what the level was? It was a zero. Okay, then there's nothing to talk about, but I, I'll come back. I'm going to take this break and I'll come back to you right after it. it. That's a real clear indication to me. If we have a zero or a one, probably not much for me even to say. If we have a two, a three, or a four, that's when we have to start getting into analyzing, looking at all the different numbers, but we'll come back and talk about that in just a minute. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. If you need any help from us, lots of things we can help you out with, whether it's fuel gauges, tracking your fuel mileage, your accounting, your taxes, whatever it happens to be, give us a call. We'll take care of you. It's 855 800 Fuel, 855 800 3835. Let's get back to the phones. I was talking with Don in California. So, Don, that is a really, really good sign to have the first oil go 12,000 miles and be a zero. The only other time I think I've ever seen that was on a micro blued engine. And I'm assuming, well, no, I know for sure this isn't a micro blued engine. It was a factory engine. That's the only other time I've ever seen that. So that is a, a really good sign that this thing was put together really well
2: okay excellent because yeah needless to say since uh, september through the end of the year i took some major hits and didn't make a whole lot of money
1: <laughs> oh, i'm sure i'm sure but the good news is at least from the start we know this thing was put together right we know that uh, obviously, there's no soot where we would have had something flagged or very low soot. So that means it's burning the fuel completely. Um, we didn't get all those break-in metals, which means we have really good tolerances and, and all those things. So uh, you should be really happy about that oil sample. Okay, great. And
2: well. will uh... Look forward to the next one. I'm not going to obviously be able to throw an OPS on this for a little while. I got a major recoup to deal with.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, that that's not really a big deal on a DD-15. Look, I'd love to have them on there, no question. I would have it as a goal, but you've got 50,000-mile oil drains on this engine anyway.
2: Yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm going to go 25.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, Here's what I would highly recommend instead, really. Sample at 25, and you're going to find out that oil is super clean. I, I've done lots and lots of DD-15s, and I tell people 50,000 is minimum. I know people who could go farther. See, the, the, and, and the reason they can is because that has some limited bypass filtration on it. It's not nearly as good as an OPS, but it's way better than what we're used to. And that's why they're able to go 50,000. So I would not worry about that a bit. If you're concerned, sample at 25 and call me. And my guess is it's going to be a zero or a one.
2: Okay, excellent. And,
1: and, and we'll that, do that. that I mean, yeah. I mean, if if you do it at 25, you're going to double your oil change cost for no real reason at all. And, and you're telling right. me right right now and I get that. So let's not throw it down the drain.
2: right. Okay. Well, then uh, I'll let you get to other calls and uh, we'll talk next week or something and take a look at January's numbers and see if you can see any trends or anything I need to work on.
1: All right. Will do. Thanks for the call. And thanks for doing the hard work. Having the numbers, that kind of stuff makes all the difference. Let's head off to Tennessee. John, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with?
5: Well, uh, got your book last week. I wish I would have did it two months ago. Um,
6: well,
5: I'm, <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm working for a guy right now, uh driving his truck. He's contracted with someone uh you know that's a good company that I'm trying to get on with. I've been dealing with the agent directly. I've made uh some relationships with him. He's got contracts coming up, and he says, "You know you should get your own truck." So my problem is, is uh, some credit problems. I had a wife that passed away a couple years ago. And my question to you, with these good runs, how hard would it be uh, to just go out and lease a truck, like, uh, you know, from a Hertz or a Penske?
1: It's not, well, I, I shouldn't say it's not hard. They They do have some credit issues. They have some insurance issues. You might have to put up big deposits. I'm not even sure. Um, uh, you're just gonna have to go see if it's possible. And you know, my thought on that is that depending on the rates, we'd really have to look hard at numbers. I have a huge problem with doing this as a business model, as a right, short no, I, right. Um, I, I had to do it once uh for about nine months. So I, I have a lot of experience with this, and then I did it short term a lot because I had Dedicated contracts that absolutely had to go, and we only had one day a week to get trucks fixed. And many times it just wasn't enough. So I I have tons of experience renting trucks from everybody. And there was a time when I ordered a new truck. It was supposed to come in in two months, and it ended up taking a year to get me that truck. And in the meantime, I had decided not to to put any money into the truck that I had 1.4 million miles on. So I, I was renting a truck, thought it was going to be a month, and it turned into almost a year. And I literally lost money on that truck because I had to pay right. a driver. I, I I did it only to fulfill my contract and abs- and lost money. I don't know what it is about these rental companies. I, I've, I haven't looked real hard at the specs, but those are some of the worst fuel mileage trucks I have ever driven. Um, oh, great. In in an operation where my fleet average was always in the high sevens, every time we rented a truck, we couldn't get five and a half. Pulling the same freight, same run, same driver, same everything. And the fuel mileage was atrocious. I mean, it was so bad. And it was across the board. It didn't matter if it was Hertz, Penske, Ryder, whoever it might have been at the time. Didn't matter what type of truck I got from them. I got the worst fuel mileage ever. It used to drive me insane. So, that's an issue um and it's expensive. Uh if if the opportunity is really there to jump on some good rates, let me just throw out some numbers just so you've got some benchmarks. Okay. I would not even consider. Now, I need to ask this question. Is this company Landstar by chance? Y- yes. Okay, just so I know the percentages we're talking about. Okay. I, I would not be willing to do this unless 90 plus percent of the freight I was going to get paid to the truck $1.75 or more. In my opinion, you'd be, if it doesn't pay that much, you'd be better off staying with what you're doing now until you mm-hmm. could save enough money to buy a cheap truck.
5: Yeah. Okay. So that that's a great benchmark because I, I sat down and kind of just, you know, really just brushed over the numbers. And, and it, even if the, the rental is, is way expensive, you know, I, I could save up enough to to buy a twenty five thousand dollars truck in ninety to one hundred and twenty days.
1: If it, I want you to calculate your fuel cost at five and a half miles to the gallon, and that's going to be one of the big problems you run into, is that right now with fuel being cheap. See, you hear me say many times, if we get over six miles to the gallon, when fuel prices go up, we do better. But when we get under six miles to the gallon, we want fuel to stay as low as possible because if it goes up, we get killed. And that's where I think you're going to be with this truck. You might get lucky, but I would not count on it. Um, Here's another thought. Would would the guy you're driving for now give you time off with without and, and give you a chance to come back if you wanted to? And the reason I'm saying that is because rentals can be short term. You can go rent it for a week or two, see what kind of fuel mileage you're going to get, see how things are going to work. But, you know, maybe have a plan B to fall back on. Is that a possibility?
5: Actually, it is.
1: I would try that. I mean, that that's almost a, a, a no brainer. I mean, if he'll give you some time off, you can go run this, really, really focus on the numbers, and that way you could compare. Here's how much I'm making now. I've got the truck. Here's the fuel mileage. Here's what my costs look like they're going to be. And the one good news about a rental, if there are any, there's not many, but this would be one good news, is that other than fuel your cost won't fluctuate much because it's a full service lease. You don't care about maintenance. They're going to take care of it. They make money right. on the maintenance, but you don't have to say, well, you know, it's only been two weeks, but what happens if I have a big repair? That's not an issue. Right. Big repair, right. who cares? It's not coming out of your pocket. So we can predict your cost in a very short period of time. I would, right. I would ask for some time off. Get the rental all set up so that the day you step out of his truck, you're stepping into that other truck. Run it for a couple weeks or as, as much time as he'll give you. And then you've got all the information you need to make the decision.
5: Okay. And then um, what about the other thing I was going to ask you was, what if I, I found somebody that wanted to get rid of their truck, um, let them collect the money from Landstar and take the money out for the truck?
1: I'm not wild about those situations because they never get set up right. They, they always lead to problems. I've seen them over the years, and I can honestly say I, I've seen very, very few ever succeed. I, I, I wouldn't go that route. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The clock says I've only got one more segment, so i get right back to the phone calls. Let's go to Minnesota. Nate, welcome to the program.
10: Hi, Kevin. How are you doing?
1: Good. What can I help you with today?
10: I want to ask you if you've ever uh, reviewed on the show or looked at or talked about uh, the Volvo C13 X V package where they pulled the D13 engine to the i shift motor and put direct drive gears in it. Have you, ever, have you ever talked about that on your show and how it's supposed to behave and perform?
1: Uh, a little bit, and I've driven one. And I, I love the technology and the direction we're heading in. These transmissions are really efficient. They're getting better and better all the time. The problem I still have with all of this is the engine technology itself and all the problems we're going to run into. Um, the Volvo engines have not really been known for great fuel economy, and they are getting better, but they still suffer all the same problems all the other new engines face. I think what's going to happen someday, and, and I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't know if we're still 10 years out or, or what. I, I do know that the more the government keeps meddling in this, the longer it's going to take. You know, I I thought after 2011, we had finally hit our last set of EPA standards. Then, you know, the Obama administration stepped in and said, no, we're going to do more. And then we're going to pile some fuel mileage standards on top of that. And when the government mandates fuel mileage standards, everybody loses. Uh, That's that should be left up to the free market. It should be left up to the people who build trucks and the people who own trucks. And as long as the government keeps imposing new standards, the manufacturers can't catch up and fix the problems they already have. There will come a time that we won't be talking about all these problems with new trucks. We we saw it with cars. The 70s were a nightmare when, when they made the standards on cars. And it took us a couple decades. You look at cars now, I've, I've got a Toyota with 122,000 miles on it, and I've put one set of spark plugs in it. I mean, it, it is unbelievably maintenance-free. We'll get close to that with trucks someday. We're not there yet. When we do get there, all of these other technologies that we've been developing will finally get to shine. Our aerodynamics have been improved. Our transmissions have been improved. Our drive lines have been improved but it's all being covered up by all this garbage. So it's hard to see the advancements that have been happening. So I have talked about it. I like the direction, but I would just never own one of these things.
10: So so minus the, the engine technology and its lacking in reliability, the idea of it, is there an operation where you would or wouldn't use this in particular? Like if I almost always... 50,000 pound oversized loads. Is that a reason for me to minus the engine technology? Is that a reason for me to step away from this? Or is there an operation where it it doesn't work well in?
1: I I don't believe so. Um, Now, is there eight, an operation. Yeah. Um, you know, we have torque ratings on that transmission and some other things, but we would have to get some pretty extremes. I, 50,000 and payload is, is not an extreme to me. That's not a big deal. So no, I, I don't see anything about your operation that would change this. It, we just come back to the engine technology that I wouldn't own, but yeah, th- this transmission should handle that kind of weight with no problem.
10: Then, uh, one other real quick question. Um, I listen to your show on XM all the time. Is there? I know you're doing the podcast, and you have uh, older episodes that I can go back and listen to. But is there a a library of all the shows you've done, particularly like the older XM shows? It doesn't look like to me. There's all of your shows in an area where I can access and listen to them all.
1: No, the the XM shows are not available. Those are basically exclusive to XM. So we were never allowed to, to archive those or put those anywhere. So uh, going forward, you know, we we do new podcasts every week. My show's new. Uh, I'm doing the Road Scholar, which is a book review that, you know, I'd like to get that to where I might do a couple a month. Right now I'm only doing about one a month because just it's a very time consuming to do books and then schedule author interviews. But we're going to try growing that one. The, the, pod, the other podcasts are all weekly shows, so you should see a new show up every week on those. Um, in the beginning, you know, we were playing around with different platforms, uh, and we, we've settled on building our own network now. I wasn't happy with any of the other platforms. We built out our own network, uh, which is just now getting finalized. Literally, in the last week, we're almost there. But if you go to Let'sTruck.com, You'll see the new shows. We should have our app out so you can subscribe right through our app pretty soon. And uh, we will just continue to grow that. But past XM shows, uh, they don't archive them anywhere, and I'm not allowed to either. Let's go to Missouri. Ken, welcome to the program.
4: Hello, Kevin. Hey there. Should Should have some profit gauges in front of you.
1: Let's see what I've got. It looks like I do. Let's uh so it looks like this is your yearly wrap up for 2014, is that correct? Yep. Oh boy. I you just put a smile on my face, Ken. I, I thought love I, would. I I love this cuz this is one of my favorite examples and I I just spent 2 days with two other callers talking about if you are on a mileage contract and you're only generating a dollar twenty something in, in revenue, it is going to be really, really difficult to make any money. Well, you've done it. I mean, you have done an amazing job of this. I I always look at two numbers real quick, and that is the gross revenue and the net revenue. And when I looked at your net revenue, I almost fell off my chair. I'm surprised everybody didn't hear a big bang. $1.29 gross revenue. That is way below the average these days, but that is a pretty standard mileage contract. So there's a lot of people in this boat. The problem I've been saying is rates have gone up. The companies didn't follow with their their, their contract prices and everything else is going up. Maintenance is going up. Tires are going up, tolls, everything. And it's making it hard I was telling people it's making it hard to get to the mid 40s. 40 cents a mile, 45 cents a mile is tough to do these days. Your bottom line is 66 cents a mile. That's insane. Are you stealing fuel? Uh oh. Oh, did I? I lost Ken. Oh, I'm going to keep going through his numbers though, because I'm just about out of time anyway. And these are amazing numbers. I got to tell you, Ken, I know Ken well, um, great owner operator, been to several CMCs and he sets goals and he works at them and he shoots for them and he gets to them. And this is uh, just an amazing number. So I'm going to go through this uh, $1.29 a mile, all miles. His fixed cost, six cents a mile. That is amazing. He's paying four cents a mile for insurance, three cents a mile for tax and license, and when we do some rounding, that actually comes out to six. Let's call it seven. Uh, no truck payment, none of that. He a lot of his stuff is covered through his lease. That's why his fixed cost is so low. His variable cost uh, overall are only 57 cents a mile. I know people who spend way more than that just on fuel. His fuel cost is 45 cents a mile, and maintenance cost is a nickel. A nickel. I said the other day he couldn't do this anymore. Ken proved me wrong. He is running an old truck, old pre-emission, high-mileage truck, but he is meticulous about doing the right stuff. Early on, he invests into the upgrades we talk about. He invests in the fuel mileage upgrades. That's why he's got 45 cent fuel cost. He's invested into all the maintenance upgrades. That's why he's got 5 cent maintenance cost. And everything else is just minor. I mean, there's, there's nothing else in this even to talk about. And with very, very little risk an old high mileage truck that we probably won't see any real problems out of, uh, leased to a carrier that's taking care of just about everything for him. And he gets to keep 66 cents a mile. I absolutely love that. This is the textbook case of what is possible when you do all the right stuff. And and yeah, you know, the stuff we talk about here on the show in many ways is the right. stuff. it's not the only way. But it is the right stuff. The education, coming to the CMC, learning these things. Ken's great at networking. He's, he asks other people questions. This is a textbook example. And, and I know I'm like spouting off here because I get excited about this stuff. This is what the show is all about right here. Ken, thanks for sending this in. Sorry we lost you. I'd love to get you back on the weekend show. And uh, I think we will do that. Thanks for joining me, everybody. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe, be profitable, do the hard work, and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford.